Welcome to the Agree to Disagree show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to the Agree to Disagree show, episode 87. We are streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and, of course, TikTok. Guys, it feels so good to be back. I've been away for so long. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into it, why, why I've been away for so long, but uh, so, so bear with me tonight. Um, so... Let's try to make this interactive, guys. Like I always say, please put in your comments, whether whether or not you're watching on any of those streaming platforms, put in your comments, put in your questions, put in just to say hi. Uh, it would be great to um, to chat with you and um, catch up with you guys. I miss you guys so, so, so much. So let me get right into it. Why, have it, why I have been uh, MIA for, <laughs> for quite a while. Basically, this year I did maybe a couple of episodes uh, of the podcast. So, um, yeah. So, why? Basically, um, it's funny, you know, what I always talk about in terms of free speech being dead in Canada, um, that you have no word, you have no voice. And it was confirmed to me, right? So, um, not going to get into any specifics, but... um, I had to basically stop my podcast because it was uh, too controversial. Uh, And uh, I swore too much, apparently, (laughs) Uh, from my previous employer. So, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So basically, it was it was um, it it was confirmed to me that, um, yeah. Um, So like like I said, free speech is dead. You're. You're basically not allowed having your own voice. Isn't that amazing, eh? So speaking of voices, this is going to go right into my, uh, my, 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 my subjects that I wanted to cover tonight because I've been, <laughs> let me see, what's, what's, I've been away for so long and, and what's been going on in the world. Oh my God, man. What a mess, isn't it? Isn't it amazing though? So um, I wasn't going to cover this, but of course things happen on the fly, right? So um you know, of course, the the what happened in Canada yes, uh, yesterday across Canada, um, f- what we call the one million, what they call the one um, one million march for children, and for our American friends watching, or for anybody else or watching or listening across the globe, basically it was a march uh, organized, a protest against the Canadian government, and uh, to basically keep your hands off our children and. Um, that they would not be um, because the, you know with the whole gender ideology and, and and pronouns usage and all that. So there's there's some school districts in Canada that have basically said uh, the minute that a child asks for a different pronoun to be to be uh, you know to be uh, spoken to with a different pronoun um, or uh, there you know anything about any gender questions or anything like that that the parents have to be notified what a crazy concept eh? so basically um and also this whole thing that the march and the protest was against um you know 
gender ideology and, and sexuality being taught in our in our in our schools. And for us as parents, it's it's it, basically we're saying leave that up to us. The kids are too young; they don't need to know that. Stick to science. Stick to math. Stick to English. Stick to uh, chemistry. Stick to history. But you know what? There's a time and place for um, kids learning about sexuality and gender, gender identity, and yeah, this new, you know, this new made-up thing and multiple genders. And uh, anyway, so I'm, I, I must say though that that I am baffled, of course, by yet again another protest that has been vilified by of course, the mainstream media in Canada. And in turn, anybody that took place in that protest, right? Um, concerned parents. Oh, my God. How dare they? Um, so, you know, on one end, here you have parents that want to have control over what their children are learning in school when it comes to sexuality and gender. And also wanting to know if their child is using different pronouns, if they're if they're asking questions about their sexuality, or if anything is is not right with them, right? As a parent, as a parent of two two boys, I'd like to know. I'd like to think. I'd like to know so that I could do something about it. it it's my job. It's me and, and their mother's job to support these children, right? I raised them. I cared for them since the day they were born. Right. What, so, so let me ask you something. So, because there is a movement here, some teachers and school boards across Canada that are saying, "No, the parents don't need to know any of this. They don't need to know when their child wants to be recognized by another pronoun. They don't need to know when their their child is is wants to be known by another name that's not even the same sex of the child." Um, let me ask you a question. Uh, let's see if we can see some comments here. When did when did this become okay to keep parents in the dark? What 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 again? Are we, where are we going? Where are we, since when has this is this okay? Since when? And, you know they argue that this this could be potentially dangerous for the uh, for the children, and uh, that you know they may not open up to the parents. Well, you know what I've seen many many examples on the opposite right where the parent finds out when it's pretty much too late or uh the parent has to go through a nightmare the parents have to go through a nightmare to, to give the support and the emotional support and psychological and whatever support that this child may need because they were always left in the dark had they maybe maybe had a chance from the beginning when the child was showing signs of whatever you want to call it, maybe the parents would have done something. Who else, who else would want the best for their child? Now, I'm not saying that there's, there's those, you know, parents that are, shouldn't be parents, right? But on the whole here, who are school boards and teachers and teacher unions? And I'm going to talk about teacher unions in a second absolutely disgusting um to say that they should know stuff that goes on in school that is very personal for the child but we shouldn't know 
Okay. Now, not only, you know, as if that wasn't bad enough. Now, these, these protests were held across Canada. Um, once the teachers' unions heard about this, they mobilized and had um, Zoom meetings that were <laughs> uh, somehow hacked and shown that they were going to organize counter-protests. So let me ask you again another question. What kind of message are we sending here where the unions are setting up counter-protests for parents that want to know what's going on in their child's life and education? Do you see what's wrong here? Am I the only one? Right? Then, of course, we had the mainstream media doing their usual spin on things, saying that this was an attack against the LGBTQ community, that they're anti-trans and they're anti-LGBTQ uh, and, and whatever. No, guys, they just they just want to know what's going on in their child's life. When did this become? Why? When did this become about the LGBTQ community? I, I miss some numbers and letters there because it's too long and I, I can't, you know, I can't say it as well as as good as Justin Trudeau. So I don't know, like the top of my head. So when did every everything that is going on, everything that is going on in the world, everything is against or everything is focused on this community? Once again, guys, if this is about my children. This is about this was the whole purpose of this protest yesterday was to have a say in what's going on yeah i want to know what's happening yeah i want to know i as the parent need to do something that is my child it's not your child it doesn't belong to the state that child belongs to me and, and how any of that could be misconstrued for anything else is exactly what is wrong with the world today. That's basically it. Then the icing on the cake, the huge icing on the cake, right? Of course, is NDP, useless NDP leader, Jack Meet Singh, supporting the anti-protesters while on one side, yet yet to see this. On one side, you had screaming, and and he's just standing there holding up a flag. Again, how? What are you passing as a message? You are a politician. You are representing the majority of parents that are concerned about what their kids are learning about in school, and you're on the anti-protest saying i'm i stand with the lgbtq again this had nothing to do with the lgbtq community zero data nothing this is was about parents rights that's it that's all but of course everything has to be turned around the narrative has to be changed everyone has to be vilified parents looking out after their children are being and were vilified if you saw some of the headlines from the Toronto Sun, CTV News, CBC News, oh my God, you would have thought that 
I don't know who, who, who was taking part in these in these um, in these protests. It's it's incredible. It really it's so sad. I I really do find it sad. I really do. So that's my uh, my take on that. So what else happened while I while I was gone? I had to talk about this. I know this has happened a while ago, uh, but one of the the you know one of the biggest natural disasters. Um, in American history took place while I was gone. And, and I needed to cover this because I need to show how it is physically, how is it possible for so many things to go wrong? Of course, I'm talking about the, the, the Maui fires, wildfires. I, I want to try to comprehend how so many things, not one, not two, not three, how many, so many things in perfect synchronicity could go wrong. And we're going to go through all of these in detail. And then it maybe it might even, I don't know, you know, it, <laughs> the C word's going to come up again here. Conspiracy. When you look at all these things, I'm like, one mistake, two mistake again. But how many more mistakes could have been done? How many more? It just it's it's really truly mind-boggling. Okay, so so let's start with um warning signs came early uh on August 6th. The National Weather Service in Honolulu issued a fire weather watch for the state after fears about Hurricane Dora soaking the area subs, uh, subsided. Strong and gusty winds combined with low humidities may lead to critical fire conditions across leeweed areas over the coming days. Uh, the next day on the, uh, August 7th, the Weather Service issued a red flag warning as dry areas combined with strong and gusty easterly winds up to 30 to 45 miles per hour with gusts up to 65 miles per hour were expected. Any fires that develop will likely spread rapidly officials warned and that's exactly what happened as early uh august 8th as catastrophic fires swept through swept through maui's west side fueled by intense winds with gusts as high as so basically all that to say is that there were several warnings but nothing was done about it nothing and you're going to see as we continue number two sirens were not turned on. So in case you didn't know, uh, Maui has one of the most sophisticated um, siren systems in the world because they are an archipelago of, of, of islands. Um, and they're scattered all along uh, Maui's coast, designed to alert people in the event of a hazard like a natural disaster. As the fires raged, they weren't activated. Officials have come under scrutiny for not using the sirens especially as some survivors who fled the flames reported not having any cell phone service or power amid widespread outages to receive alerts that went that were sent out. Now, former Maui Emergency Management Agency Administer uh, Herman Andaya said the protocol is to use the coastal sirens only during tsunami warnings, not during wildfires, and they feared people would head inland toward the fire if they sounded them. Andaya has since resigned, citing health reasons. Um, health reasons. What exactly health reasons are we talking about? Being an idiot? 
magically has health problems and health issues now. Okay. So you're scared that people, when, when you send the siren, are going to go inland because they think a tsunami is coming. Okay. I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't might drive my car toward mountains that are on fire. I, I think I could tell the difference between a tsunami and a wildfire. And and a worst case, how much worse can it be? They had no warning, zero, no no amber alerts, no text messages, no nothing. And you take it upon yourself as the Maui Emergency Management Agency administrator to not click on the sirens, sound the sirens. And say, let me let me try at least, because you think the people are gonna go inland. I have no words. I really do. Let's continue. Um, Elizabeth Pickett, co-executive director of the nonprofit Hawaii Wildfire Management Organization, told the uh, Civil Beat the fire was foreseeable. We keep hearing from certain elected officials and other people being quoted in the media. We had no idea. This is unprecedented. But actually, those of us in the wildfire community, meaning our fire agencies, our, our forestry, natural resource management community, we have long been working to increase our risk reduction efforts. Uh, people should have been told to leave their homes. I think there would have been a stronger urge to evacuate and some better planning. Again, um, just missing the beat time and time again, right? People are running out of food and running out of fuel. And it, it's just, it. what boggles my mind is where is FEMA? Where is U.S. government aid? Yeah, I forgot. Maybe if Maui was within the borders of Ukraine, then this whole mess would have been cleaned up already, right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. You have billions of dollars to go fight a war and give money to a war that they're going to lose that has no geopolitical impact on your country and you can't even take care of your own people that burnt to death. There is hundreds of deaths and thousands still missing weeks after. And you still have the gall to continue to send, to send aid, billions upon billions of dollars to Ukraine while your own people went through one of the worst tragedies, natural tragedies in U.S. history. It's deplorable, man. It's deplorable. Dario, my good friend, how you doing, my friend, says, this is just the beginning of what's been reported. Going to wait a couple of years till full investigation is complete and put out there, so we hope. Yeah, we could, this is probably, yeah, for sure, this is just the icing on the cake. Let's continue, guys. The power company that runs the grid in Hawaii is being sued. There's a lawsuit against them because they didn't shut down the power. They didn't shut down the power. They were told, shut down the power. 
right? It's only exasperate the problem. High winds. Hello, right? Your electrical poles, like here in Montreal and Canada, are above land. High winds. Do the math, right? What are we doing here? They didn't listen. Again, exasperated the problem. Again, another mistake. All right. Caught on firefighters, there was angry criticism against the fire crews that were accused of leaving it to restart hours later. uh, Maui's fire department tackled the brush fire from 6.37 a.m. that Tuesday, declaring it 100% contained by 9 a.m. and leaving it early that afternoon. Instead, it restarted and spread uncontrollably from 3.30 p.m., according to outraged locals. Why did they leave? Local resident Dominga Advencula asked in an interview with the San Francisco Chronicle. If they could wait an hour or 30 minutes, that small fire in the afternoon, they could have saved everyone else. Couldn't they just spare one truck or two more hours? Hawaii Fire Association Labor Union President Bobby Lee blamed it on the fire crews being overwhelmed. You've got only so many resources, he told the Honolulu Civil Beat. When you look at what is going on, it looks like they were tapped out. Yet again, another mistake. No support, no nothing. Fire crews burnt out. Again, another preventable problem when it actually... um, Um, spread badly this 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 one this next point is completely completely amazing the water debacle situation you're on an island you're in a series of land uh, uh, of uh, of islands here okay guys Firefighting abilities were also compromised by a state official's refusal to release water to West Maui landowners until it was too late. Four sources familiar with the situation told the Honolulu Civil Beat, uh, Kaluo Man- uh, Manuel, the Department of Land and Natural Resources Deputy Fine, uh, Director for Water Resource Management, hesitated at the West Maui request for additional water to prevent fire spreading on August 8th. The source alleged the company manages several agricultural and residential subdivisions, many of which were damaged in the wildfires. A native Hawaiian cultural practitioner wanted West Maui land to get permission from a Taro or Kalo farm downstream for its property. The sources explained by the time the um, by the time Manuel released the water, the flames had already spread while Manuel declined to comment to the outlet. It took eight hours eight hours when your island is burning an entire neighborhood i'm going to show you how big after eight hours to release water let me also explain to you what's happened in 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 maui right because had this been a um a hotel area had this been a golf course let me tell you that water would have been available because you know what they did right they redirected several rivers in maui so that the sources of water could get to where the hotel areas are and to where the golf courses are. What do you think that did to the rest of the people in West Maui here in this case? You ask for what? Imagine asking for what you live on an island. 
you live on an island and you're asking for water to be released. You're waiting eight hours while your house, your life, your livelihood blows up in flames. Who is going who is gonna pay the price for this? Is this individual gonna pay the price? In any case, it's not gonna bring any of these these poor souls back, right? It's unbelievable. They see apparently they look at water as this natural thing and that it's it's nature and we shouldn't we should control it and it shouldn't be used. It's your 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 island is on fire. You're asking for permission to release water. This is how sick and twisted this is. This is how sick and twisted it is. It's sickening. Dario says, more lawsuits other than the power grid coming, you watch. A lot of local to federal politicians, authority, state, and town managers are on the hook. We will see, Dario. We will see because you know what, if any, you know what, Dario, if any one of us would have screwed up so royally in our jobs, and especially if it cost people's lives, what do you think would have happened to us? What do you think would have happened to us? It's crazy. What else went wrong? Volatile plants. They've been told for, for ages right that the invasive highly flammable plant species that have made a home on maui for the last several years when irrigated pineapple and sugarcane crops declined non-native fire prone grasses moved in said elizabeth pickett the co-executive director of the hawaii wildlife management organization the grasses including guinea grass molasses grass and butter uh buffalo grass were imposed on the island as a drought proof solution to life uh, to livestock raising when the dry grasses burn Pickett explained, they decimate the native forest and endangered species, which are then replaced with more grass. These grasses are highly aggressive, grow very fast, and are highly flammable. Because if, if you see, right, some homes that were not affected by the wildfires or where they just ended, is that those homes that actually did brickwork or put cement, like barriers, so that it wouldn't go, it wouldn't spread any further, Right? But I'm sure not everybody has the means in which to do this if these, you know, volatile plants, highly flammable plants are all over the island. Again, another mistake. And then last but not least, it took President Biden two weeks, two weeks to go see the ravaged area. Two weeks. How busy are you? He is it because he doesn't know what day of the week it is. He doesn't know whether it's Monday or Tuesday, Saturday or Sunday. It took him two weeks. Not only that, let's you know, let's add insult to injury here. Again, back to the Ukraine thing: billions of dollars in aids. Let's give them a federal grant of seven hundred dollars, which is a slap in the face. So along with all the anger at the failures leading up to the fire, the historic disaster has left many in Maui feelings abandoned and let down by President Biden, who isn't planning to visit until Monday, nearly two weeks after the wildfire, and as more than 1,000 people remain unaccounted for. It's really affecting me because where's the president? One emotional resident. Ella Sable Tagderin asked on CNN, 
while fighting back tears late Thursday. I mean, aren't we American too? We're part of the United States. Why are we getting put back in the back pocket? Why are we being ignored? She asked. While calling the one-time federal grant of $700 a slap in the face while stunning while um, himself on the bench, Biden has repeatedly refused to discuss the disaster. It's really something else. It's really sad. And you can see here in the images, if you are watching this on YouTube or any of the streaming services, um, you know, 22,700 structures affected, 2,170 acres burnt, 5.5 billion capital exposed, uh, 2,207 structures destroyed or des uh, damaged or destroyed. 86% of these residential. 86% of this residential. Only 5.5 billion. And that's pocket change, right? Compared to the money that they'd be giving to um, to his buddy in uh, in Ukraine. Can't even take that out for your own for your own people. Bravo. Bravo, Biden. What else has been going on? What else has been going on? Oh, yeah. In case some of you are not aware. Um, something is happening in the world uh, that probably will forever change the global economic landscape. So BRICS is officially underway, has been signed. And some of you may ask, what is BRICS? So before I do, uh, my good friend Pat has put in the comments here. I would put a bet on asking, searching Oprah, Oprah's Tom Hanks, Zuckerberg, and other Hollywood elites estates. <laughs> That's another thing. Thanks, Pat, for reminding me. Why does Oprah own over a thousand acres of land in Hawaii? But she's she's asking for money from American, from ordinary Americans for donations that can't even afford to eat with inflation being so out of control. And second of all, and here's another question. How is it legal? Why should it be legal for one person to own a thousand acres? What is she going to do with a thousand acres? She's going to farm. Apparently, she's going to do a farming on it. Yeah, I'd love to see the farm that she's going to build on over a thousand acres of land. Apparently, it's even more than a thousand acres. Hey, Pat, Dario, what do you guys think? What do you think she's going to do with a thousand acres? What do you think she's doing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Oprah's and Tom's and Zuckerberg's and all the Hollywood elites' homes weren't touched. By some miracle of God, they were protected. Her money is closed. Yeah. Carmelo, how's it going, buddy? Carmelo says her money is closed. Uh, who knows where her money is? Everything is closed. Everything is so secretive. Well, we all know who Oprah's friends were eh, in the past and who they are today. All right, guys. Let's go, let's go into um, what is BRICS. This is uh, something very, very significant of what's going to go on right now. Um, <laughs> she's going to grow some pot for Trudeau. Sorry, Carmelo says. <laughs> That's a lot of pot, Carmelo. Seriously. That's a shitload of pot for uh, for uh, Trudeau and friends. He's going to need it, Trudeau. He's going through a rough time right now. All right. 
What is BRICS, guys? BRICS is the term, uh, is an acronym basically for Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. And we're going to talk about why this is so significant. Uh, the coin was initially created uh, as BRIC without South, South Africa by Goldman Sachs economist Jim O'Neill in 2001. Interesting. Claiming that by 2050, the four BRIC economies would come to dominate the global economy. Brazil, Russia, India, and China are the founding members. South Africa, the smallest member in terms of economic clout and population, was the first beneficiary of an expansion of the bloc in 2010 when the grouping became known as BRICS. Together, the countries account for more than 40% of the world population and a quarter of the global economy. Apart from geopolitical uh, geopolitics, the group's focus include uh, economic cooperation and increasing multi uh, multilateral trade and development. So here's why this is so important, guys. Um, what are the Western powers going to do here? What do you think is going to happen, right? They're no longer using U.S. currency. U.S. currency is going to be severely devalued because they're going to print more money. These countries will no longer trade in U.S. dollars. Um, they're going to potential trading partners are going to start eroding significantly for the United States and Canada and Western countries because all of these countries that are not friendly to us uh, we'll say, listen, we're getting a better deal now. We're using um, money uh, that we could control. Um, and we are basically having more favorable conditions in our trade and our development with other countries. So, right, you know, the most important, of course, there being Russia and China, right? Not only because of population of these countries, but, you know, geopolitical issues. Russia and China got what they want, right? They act as the the good big brother. They have all the means to do it. These countries have all the natural resources, which, uh, of course, China and, and, and Russia needs. Russia has the natural gas as well. So the QUs in turn help these other countries too. South Africa, of course, has all the natural resources as well. Uh, and they've been, of course, been been raped and pillaged by 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 England, by France, which we're going to talk about again after. So which nations want to join BRICS and why? Over 40 countries, including Iran, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Argentina, Algeria, Bolivia, Indonesia, Egypt, Ethiopia, Cuba, Democratic Republic of Congo, Comoros, Gabon, and Kazakhstan have expressed interest in joining the forum, according to 2023 Summit Chair South Africa. They view BRICS as an alternative to global body uh, bodies viewed as dominated by the traditional Western powers and hope membership will unlock benefits, including development, finance, and increased trade and investment. So what led to this? Dissatisfaction with the global order among developing nations was exasperated by the COVID-19 pandemic when life-saving vaccines were hoarded by the rich countries. Well, that could be argued as well, but I'm not going to get into that. So, you know, we go into these countries, we steal all their natural resources, and then when they need help, uh, let them die. Who cares? But now let me tell you, man, I'm sure, I know, not I'm sure, I know that the Americans, the Canadians, European countries 
are significantly worried now, significantly worried, because this has speared um, a movement now that, that there's no looking back anymore, right? So what is this speared? You know, one of which I'm completely fascinated with is this France versus Niger situation, you know? Um, give a little bit of a history lesson here. France-Niger relations are the foreign relations between France and Niger. The relations are based on a long shared history and the more than 60-year rule of Niger by the French colonial empire. Beginning with the French conquest in 1898, Niger obtained independence from France in 1960, and the history of French influence culture and French language have been a point of commonality in the creation of distinctive Nigerian culture from the diverse pre-colonial nationalities, which make up modern Niger. France benefited economically from the time as a colonial power and still relies on imports from Niger for elements of their economy. Relies. That's an understatement. France-Nigerian relations continue to be close. <laughs> Let's see why. With France as Niger's top export partner in value and the French government being almost entirely dependent upon Niger for uranium, which fuels its extensive nuclear power system, mined in the northern town of Arlet. France receives 25% of the uranium from Niger. 25% of their uh, uranium. Niger criticized France for the agreement saying that it should get a larger share of profits from uranium ore mining. So Niger, with the world's seventh largest uranium deposits, France relies on 50% of Niger's uranium for 70% 70 of its nuclear power. Around 24% of Niger's uranium was exported to other European Union countries, contributing one-fourth of their electricity. Imagine how important they are. One-fourth. But to me, the most amazing thing here is, look at these, all right? The tax advantages and the exemptions. So Arriva's two subsidiaries in Niger uh, benefit from a number of tax advantages, exemptions from duties, VAT, and even full taxes, which they use in massive amount. A provision for the reconstruction of mines also lets them set aside 20% of their profits, which are therefore excluded from corporate taxes. And I'm getting somewhere with this. In 2010, the two subsidiaries extracted a total of 114,000 metric tons of uranium in Niger, representing an export value of $2.3 trillion. Excuse me, CFA francs. From that sum, Niger was only paid $300 billion. Okay, so $300 billion out of $2.3 trillion, or 13% of the exported value. 13%. It's in my country. It's like you coming to my house, you pillage my entire garden, take all my food, and you don't give me a penny, you don't even say thank you. How, is, is that amazing? It is incomprehensible that Niger, the world's fourth largest Iranian producer and a strategic supplier for Arriva and France, is not taking advantage of the revenue from this extraction and remains one of the poorest countries on the planet. Current negotiations represent a historic opportunity for Niger to obtain better conditions for extracting these resources, including greater financial benefits. No shit, Sherlock. 
No shit. In France, one out of every three light bulbs is lit thanks to Nigerian uranium. One in three. Nearly 90% of the population has no access to, tra- to, to electricity in, in Niger. Can you think about it? You have it in your own backyard. Again, with the backyard, you have uranium in your own backyard in which a third of, of the light bulbs in France are being lit by the uranium. And you, 90% of your population, have no electricity. Ele- <laughs> electricity. Electricity. This situation cannot continue. France must prove that the time for secret agreements, closed negotiations, and pressures is over. African countries should be able to count on the fair revenues from French companies extracting their resources, said Ali Edrisa, national coordinator for RQTAB. No wonder France wants to go to war, right? No wonder, because... Right, what happened in Niger when when the Western-friendly president was overthrown? Uh, there was a coup there. And of course, they're going to make everyone look bad. I mean, you don't even hide it anymore. We all know why you need you need their natural resources. They have to maintain their interests. In, in, in you're pillaging your your thirteen percent. I can't get that number out of my my head. You know, France is like the family member that, that that steals off you, takes advantage of you, and when you finally fight back, right, and you 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 stand up to this bully, they threaten you with violence. How how dare you? How could you how dare you stand up for yourself? Right? They have been manipulating and and, and looting so many countries, this French Empire. And it's fine, and I'm so happy to see that it's finally seems to be catching up with them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Pat says the French are leeches sucking on the blood of Africa. All the African countries should band together and wipe out Europe and take all their gold back. <laughs> um, yeah, they do it already. That's right. That's right. France must be banned in all African countries. Well, it surely seems like that's where it's going right now. It surely seems that it's sure, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a pizza, Carmelo says. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's just, for me, it's, it's deplorable. For me, it's, 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 it's a compre- incomprehensible to me that these countries so rich that have been held back for so long because of colonialism um, and that they're finally finding a voice. This, this, is, this is the good thing right now. This is the good thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely amazing to me. It's completely amazing to me. So as you can see, quite a few things <laughs> have been going on in, um, in the world. Um, guys, it was, it was really good. I felt a little bit rusty tonight. But it feels good to be back and and see you guys and talk to you guys. And uh, I'll be back actually Sunday with a special Sunday edition of the podcast with a guest. And uh, check that out on social media. I'll I'll be announcing that and doing some promo for that. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate you guys, as always. Thank you, Carmelo. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, uh, Dario. 
Uh, appreciate you guys so much. Thanks so much for always being there for me. Have a great, 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 great um, weekend. Tomorrow's Friday. And uh, I hope uh, you guys all take care of yourself. And I will see you. I will see you next week on Sunday. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Agree to Disagree show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about it. Until next time.